सो यू नो दिल पिक्चर में डायलॉग है पटी तो पटी वरना राखी रेडी सो यू हैव नो डाउन साइड सो इफ यू डोंट हैव अ डाउन साइड द ओनली थिंग दैट यू कैन यू नो डू इज यू नो गो ऑन द हायर पेडेस्ट्रल आई थिंक दैट्स वेयर वी आर टुडे इन टर्म्स ऑफ द अंडरस्टैंडिंग एंड द अवेयरनेस क्वेश्चंस व्हेन इट कम्स टू फिक्स्ड इनकम पीपल से द माइंडसेट इज दे वांट फिक्स्ड रिटर्न और आई वुड से अ शॉर्ट रिटर्न एंड नथिंग ऑफ दैट सॉर्ट इज पॉसिबल एक्चुअली व्हेन यू इन्वेस्ट इन द मार्केट रूट बिकॉज़ इवन वंस लाइफ इज नॉट रियली अश्योर्ड और गारंटीड व्हाट आर वी टॉकिंग अबाउट रिटर्न्स टुडे वी हैव समवन ऑन आवर शो रियली हु हैज बीन समवट फॉर ट्रेल ब्लेजर इन द एसेट मैनेजमेंट इंडस्ट्री इन इंडिया एंड वी विल गेट टू दैट इन अ सेकंड जस्ट प्लीज डू जॉइन मी इन वेलकमिंग लक्ष्मी अय्यर ऑन टू द शो टुडे Uh, you know the entire journey through the last uh, two decades plus um, it has been uh, full or kaate both obviously because <laughs> there is barely a rose without a thorn and yeah kabhi khushi kabhi gham for you to uh, own a diversified pool called the mutual fund and um, within that mutual fund you get to assume a credit risk and you also get to assume an interest rate uh, uh, an interest rate risk aate waqt to sab bolte hain we are all three year investors and four year investors and every three months they keep looking at uh, you know their uh, investments uh, which is a boon and a bane both you know uh, more a bane uh, from a fund management standpoint uh, the stock that you should be long is the stock called india and after that uh, you know there is there, there should really be no conversation and of your or i would say more than 95% of your returns uh, is attributed to the right asset allocation that you do and that obviously is a function of the risk appetite that you have hello everyone welcome to another exciting episode of talks with dollar where we aim to deconstruct the seemingly complex world of finance and empower investors to take better and relevant investment decisions my name is varun fatehpuria and i am the founder and ceo of dollar wealth management uh, today we have someone on our show really who has been somewhat of a trailblazer in the asset management industry in india uh, and we'll get to that in a second just please do join me in welcoming uh, lakshmi ayer onto the show today lakshmi is the yeah hi hi lakshmi Uh, Lakshmi is the CEO of Investment Advisory at Kotak Alternate Asset Manager, the Kotak Group's alternate business. She has been with the Kotak Group for over twenty-three years now. As part of her current role, she is responsible for investment advisory and product solutions across fixed income, equities, real estate, and alternates. Prior to her current role, she was the CIO of the fixed income business, primarily overseeing its debt mutual fund. Prior to joining Kotak, Lakshmi started a career with Credence Analytics, where she was responsible for tracking the corporate bond markets and generated research reports. She holds an MBA in finance from Narsi Munji Institute of Management Studies. Lakshmi has actually been recognized as one of the top 25 most influential women in asset management in Asia by Asian investors. Outside of work, she loves exploring new places for traveling. is a book big food lover. and for all of you who would be probably uh, following her with the pick of the day tweets on twitter she is obviously a huge uh, movie buff so lakshmi it is a pleasure to have you join us today thank you so much varun thanks a lot uh, so like uh, lakshmi let's just rewind the clock a bit going back to when you just graduated uh, and completed your mba and wanted to pursue a career in finance right uh so how did that experience look like because as i can imagine obviously not a huge representation of women in the finance industry that is something that you have continued to you know sort of challenge over the last 20 25 years uh, that you have been in the industry how has that journey personally looked like for you so you know to start with if you ask me uh, was this all envisage was it all planned uh, you know in a methodical manner the way people you know usually try to uh, 
plan their stuff the answer is absolute no if you see that movie dil chahta you know there this guy uh, has this fetish of recalling the date the time uh, you know uh, where people met and what the exchange and stuff like that nothing of that sort happened uh, for me uh, for me it was more about um, uh, one basic uh, fact that um, was uh, etched into me is that uh, you know uh, it was my love for numbers that's something which was there with me from school days and then all along um, uh the the right brain uh, which is the creative quotient uh, uh, or maybe the art side was less uh, i would say uh, uh, active compared to the left side of the brain which was more analytics and rational driven and i think all along uh, that is what the thought process was that kuch karna hai to wahi pe karna hai but obviously uh, it it was never planned that i want to move into asset management i want to move into listed um, public market space or then make my move of course uh, things uh, start getting uh, slightly more streamlined as you move up the uh, corporate ladder but yeah i think uh, in, if i summarize um, uh, you know the entire journey through the last uh, two decades plus um it has been uh, full or kaate both obviously because <laughs> there is barely a rose without a thorn and yeah kabhi khushi kabhi gham i think those are the kind of moments because um, you can't always have even fairy tale have glitches uh, and uh, they also have their uh, you know rapunzel moments so i think you have all of that um, but when i look back i think i feel extremely extremely uh, satisfied say you know that um, whenever there were temptations um, Uh, to kind of uh, put in the break um, i i only thought of accelerating i think that is the only saving grace i would say absolutely i think if you were to sort of like you know go back in time i think again you sort of like you know freshly out of school still figuring out what to do and then i think circa 2005 you really get this opportunity to manage the debt side of business right you you sort of like launched into these asset management space with the mutual fund uh in a country where people are in love with fds right uh what for you personally how did you sort of like you know get into the space and what was that experience like trying to explain to investors uh what this entire concept around debt mutual fund is and how has that worked and how has that really developed over the last 17 18 years so you know a varun uh, the uh, fixed income piece remains uh, remained uh, very very unexplored uh, even two decades back um, and even now uh, the fetish or the magnetic pull as i call the chumbak factor still continues to be um, a fixed deposit kind of uh, investment um, opportunities because uh, when it comes to fixed income people say uh, the mindset is they want fixed return or i would say a short return and nothing of that sort is possible actually when you invest uh, in the market route uh, because uh, even one's life is not really assured or guaranteed uh, what are we talking about returns so when you come from that plinth uh, and um, Uh, take up that challenge saying that you know okay uh, here is uh, this slightly uh, difficult feat uh, where uh, you know banks obviously will be able to uh, effortlessly or on a relative basis be able to pull in more uh, pools of capital whereas um, when you are managing monies uh, you know with with fixed income orientation it's going to be that much more difficult um, so i think you try to invent you try to um, 
do a lot of storytelling and i think um, um, the storytelling part really appeals uh, with the investment fraternity you take absolute basic examples um, and not try to uh, you know excessively complicate stuff and that has to be with consistency it cannot be a one night stance ki aaj aapne jaake samjha diya and then after that if the investor is not convinced then you said nahi usko jaane do so i think it's been a series of such um, uh, seeds uh, which have been germinated along the way uh, and then that is how you are seeing the net a uh, result um, with that sapling and then growing into a plant and wherever the case is it goes into grows into a full blown tree uh, are we um, at the tip of the iceberg probably no have we arrived completely uh, at the fag end of the tunnel again the answer is no uh, but we are definitely way 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 um, Uh, ahead in terms of the journey uh, collectively with the industry having uh, explained um, in very very simplistic terms uh, obviously sometimes uh, the interest rate um, environment also played uh, advantages and uh, you know multi multi layer uh, approach where uh, almost everyone was speaking a similar language so i think a combination of all of these uh, clearly uh, meant that the awareness levels only had to go up and aapka base itna chhota tha that uh, there was hardly anything to lose so uh, you know dil picture mein dialogue hai patti to patti varna rakhi ready so you had no downside so if you don't have a downside the only thing that you can you know do is you know go on the higher pedestal and i think that's where we are today uh, in terms of the understanding and the awareness quotient so one of the point lakshmi which you mentioned which sort of like you know provides me a very good segue that the storytelling right i think if we look back i think uh, prior to 1st april 2023 right the entire storytelling around debt mutual fund was around indexation benefit to be honest i think that is how it was sold to retail investors right and then now come 1st april 2023 you have this entire indexation benefit being taken away from debt mutual funds the taxation is at par with other fixed income instruments yes you had other products which had come up in the form of target majority funds where you could tell investors that you have a high visibility of return right but today as an investor as a layman why should he or she still commit to investing into a debt mutual fund with all sort of a volatility trying to generate that probably extra 50 bips or 75 bips of returns i mean why should he still consider today to your question varun one is that uh, mutual fund is one of the vehicles of participating into any asset class and in this case it is fixed income uh, there are other uh, ways in which uh, in which you can actually participate into this asset class um, and and with the indexation benefit going off um, everything has become every vehicle has uh, come to a level playing field it's like this you know if somebody tells you that um, if you drive and if you take a train and if you fly the distance the time taken is going to be the same or if you take a roro for example um, just as a means of transport to give you a, you know a classic analogy uh, it becomes a level playing field but uh, sometimes it's not or other most of the times it's not uh, given the distance covered um, uh, flight is far more efficient uh, depending on which geography you're traveling so i think uh, fixed income investors are also looking like they are gravitating towards different vehicles of ownership of this asset class and um, clearly uh, the direct ownership of some of these um, bonds 
and the AIF platform uh, have clearly been one of the beneficiaries. Um, and they also offer the benefit of um, diversification. If you talk about the AIF, uh, you get to pick and choose uh, the credit that you like uh, if, if it's uh, concerning uh, direct bonds. So I think this uh, has actually opened up a plethora of um, ways and means. Uh, so from a horse-blinded approach, which was typically the case, I think the horizons have started broadening. So that is point number one. Point number two is, uh, does that mean that there is absolutely no case to own um, uh, mutual funds, uh, you know, in the fixed income uh, asset class. Well, that's not necessarily true because uh, today for an absolute retail investor uh, who has very limited understanding of the financial markets or is the relatively uninitiated person in the world of finance, it will still make sense for you to uh, own a diversified pool called the mutual fund. And um, within that mutual fund, you get to assume a credit risk and you also get to assume an interest rate, uh, uh, an interest rate risk. So if interest rates actually go up and um, you want the opportunity to participate, you are better off as a, you know, as I said, a retail investor who has a very limited time and bandwidth. And of course, understanding you can use uh, that route. And as you get more evolved, you can actually start uh, digging into the direct bonds as well as the alternate investment fund route. So yes, uh, to answer your question in very, very um, yes, no kind of parlance, incrementally, are they losing appeal? The answer is yes, because there are other opportunities which have opened up. But is it a complete slam dunk that there cannot be uh, any more inflows? I think that's not true. So I think that uh, avenue will continue to be one of the potent sources of investments. Uh, and while we are at uh, while uh, we are at it, I think we talked about the two cru uh, crucial concepts of a fixed uh, income mutual uh, uh, mutual fund is uh, the interest rate risk and the credit risk. Now you have something like an April twenty twenty come up where one of the mutual fund uh, obviously did not handle the credit risk side of things so well. That also sort of lends very well to the point that are these liquid vehicles that twenty four hour liquidity are they well suited? to take on credit risk where where probably I think if they would have had the time, they obviously did an extremely good job in having a gated structure where you give the fund the time to see through the credit events. But when you have the retail investors all across the country pounds at the same time trying to withdraw money, I think that sort of like accelerates the the impending problem that you have. So our credit risk are, are mutual funds still a very good vehicle to take on those credit risks? Uh, maybe, maybe not. Uh, it depends on what kind of underlying uh, that, uh, you know, actually populates in your portfolio. So, for example, if you take the, the case of uh, April 2020, uh, when the episode occurred, um, it was not a credit event. It was actually a and uh, the nature of the corporate bond market is such uh, where uh, even to liquidate a AAA bond, uh, if there is, uh, say, a huge beeline of rush to exit a particular fund, uh, it cannot, uh, you know, happen without impacting some, uh, you know, few basis points in terms of impact. Of course, relatively lower. So in the pecking order, government bonds are the most liquid, followed by the 
ट्रिपल ए पी एस यू और द पी एफ आई बॉन्ड्स एंड देन ऑफकोर्स दर्स कम इन दैट लोअर पैकिंग ऑर्डर सो आई थिंक यू नो दंसर टू दैट ऑल्सो वुड बी दैट देर हैव टू बी सर्टन बेल्स एंड विसल्स एंड देर फोर वी सॉ यू नो लिक्विडिटी रेशियो इक्वेलेंट एक्सेट्रा बींग इंट्रोड्यूस्ड इन टू म्यूचुअल फंड सो आफ्टर दैट थिंग्स आर बिकम मच मच मोर स्ट्रीमलाइंड ऑल्सो uh the short termism typically mutual fund investor comes in with very very short term uh, oriented uh, orientation uh, you know in terms of um, uh, horizon longevity of investments aate waqt to sab bolte hain we are all three year investors and four year investors and every three months they keep looking at uh, you know their uh, investments uh, which is a boon and a bane both you know uh, more a bane uh, from a fund management standpoint um, so you know closed ended structures are better geared to be able to manage uh, these kind of risks or if you have an open ended structure then obviously you need to have a significant cushion of um, Uh, high grade assets which is a triple a uh, and the cash equivalent which is what we have seen as a, a regulatory body we've seen those introductions so that way uh, quite a good amount of uh, risk mitigation if you see right now has happened but the that's that's a boon part the bane part is therefore it tends to dilute uh, the gross yields on the portfolio so for an investor who is looking at um, adventure uh, and when i say adventure uh, in the sense that you know somebody is very happy doing just a merry go round somebody says that you know i am very happy with a bungee i don't feel uh, the tizziness uh, in my head uh, i think that gradient of the investor mapping uh, is is now uh, set right so for those preferring the latter you clearly have the uh, alternate investment funds got it and uh, and obviously i think that is also the reason why we are seeing so much of interest in the private credit space right i think you want to term it whatever you want to term it the industry will give a uh, 10 different kind of name to make it look fancy but i think that is partially why we have seen so much of the money actually trying to move out of the fixed income credit risk space to aif because the the structure itself sort of like lends well to the entire concept of you know lending to sort of like you know less liquid companies in a country where the bond markets continue to not be so well developed so moving on to your current role lakshmi for the benefit of our audience today if you could just explain what does alternate in its true sense actually means i mean today someone would tell real estate is an alternate a business gold is a alternate asset class but what does alternate as an asset class really mean no so effectively what doesn't come in the public market space uh, you know whether it is in the private equity space um, whether it is in the uh, strategic situation space or whether it's in the structured credit space um, it could be very early stage equity financing it could be late stage equity financing it could be hybrid structures uh, where you do a coupon bearing a bond uh, with some uh, you know upside in the form of an equity return i think a combination of uh, either or all of these uh, it could be um, investments in data centers uh, it could be so i think all of this is what uh, you know uh, encompasses uh, the alternate space and um, it 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 offers the entire gamut of opportunities uh, with the beauty being that uh, the uh, the asset manager is not under pressure to deploy money as of yesterday uh, the the structure and the mechanism is so beautiful that um, there is a commitment amount when the fund raise is underway and subsequent to that only when there is an investment opportunity uh, is the call for money made uh, ranging from 5 rupees to 25 or 50 bucks as the case may be so that in a uh, nutshell is what this industry is all about 
So today as a retail investor, let's say someone who has an investable corpus of five to, uh, let's say, let's say five crores, for example, what percentage of the portfolio ideally should one look at in allocating alternate? And I'm not trying to be a bit prescriptive over here, but just trying to uh, give the audience a sense of how they should be looking as at this alternate asset class, right? Because I think any amount lesser than that, we typically advise that probably it is not a very good fit if you're concentrated again in specific sub-asset classes within alternates as well. So, you know, Varun, most of these uh, uh, AI structures uh, are close-ended in nature, which means most of them, okay, unless you're doing a, a public market uh, equities kind of space, which has open-ended and periodic liquidity, most of the alternate um, underlying assets come with, uh, you know, a finite period, uh, which could be ranging from lower end of four to five years to upper end of 10 to 11, 12 years. So the primary question uh, before embarking on any such investment opportunity is that how much of money I am willing to um, uh, risk uh, to uh, complete uh, isolation and not available at beck and call kind of status. I think that's the most important question, which any genre of investor should seek to answer. Uh, where your uh, liquidity is of paramount importance, um, your, uh, you know, veering towards these kind of asset classes will be absolute tail end. Um, but if you are an institutional investor and you are saying that, look, um, uh, the the Delta driver, uh, which is likely to accrue to me over the next maybe um, uh, five years or 10 years, uh, depending on the nature of the underlying, if that Delta is what is of most important, uh, you know, uh, reckoning for me, uh, notwithstanding the liquidity compromise that I would like to do, then obviously it could be a reasonable uh, core allocation uh, from a portfolio standpoint. Uh, in our experience, um, of fundraising and you know capital raising, we have seen that um, uh, largely the uh, Indian pool of capital, uh, the primary uh, drivers of wealth creation is predominantly equities from an asset allocation perspective, which is the public market listed equity space followed by fixed income uh, as an asset allocator, maybe some element of gold. Um, and uh, the uh, alternates allocation range anywhere between, um, say, lower end of 5% to higher end of 15%. Uh, that number could be north of uh, 20 to 25 or even 30% uh, if you're talking about institutional investors, especially in the uh, foreign um, uh, you know, territories. So I think... Um, there is no cookie cutter approach uh, to answer this question. Uh, the underlying uh, nature of the uh, asset class, and of course, given the fact that you are going to be compromising on liquidity, uh, has to be the bigger driver uh, of your allocation. One of the common feedbacks that when we go out and speak to a lot of the investors, uh, primarily HNIs and UHNIs, is that obviously I think the penetration of alternatives have increased over the last five to seven years. One of the common complaints that we often hear is the lack of a standardized benchmark, right? Uh, you could come and showcase an investor some numbers, but someone who's probably not very deep into it will probably get a bit lopsided and confused with respect to what exactly is the underlying benchmark. And am I really getting the benefit of taking that additional risk adjusted? Uh, so, so what do you have as an industry? I think SEBI also has done or trying to move to a standardized benchmarking, but again, the gamut of product tends to be so different from asset manager to asset manager that pinpointing onto a, a benchmark, I'm, I'm, I'm presuming could be really difficult. No, your assumption is absolutely correct. Uh, the heterogeneity, uh, you know, uh, 
of the underlying asset class uh, itself makes it very difficult uh, to get uh, nuanced and very prescriptive on a common benchmark uh, like we have for uh, the public market space. Um, uh, it's not that it's impossible, but it's not very really pragmatic that uh, you know you and me are running two different strategies um, under, say, for example, if it's a category two AIF, for instance, uh, but. Um, our, uh, you know, uh, ambit of operating, uh, say, even within the structured credit or performing credit space, uh, you might be uh, probably in the 11 to 13% or 14% region. I could be in the 14 to 17% region. And my neighbor could be in the 18 to 20-21% region. We all could be called as, you know, structured credit, performing credit, as a private credit, whatever name you can call it. Uh, but the benchmark cannot be the same. So I think these are some of the live um, uh, challenges as we speak, uh, you know, which continue to be there. But um, my point is very different. My point is that um, uh, these, uh, uh, you know, strategies or these uh, funds are not really benchmark hugging strategies. Uh, these are very, very different propositions. I mean, uh, if I am doing a land deal, uh, you know, in... Um, Mumbai or in uh, Noida or in Pune, uh, what should be my benchmark? Uh, so, you know, and, and at the same time, you know, if two of us have launched a fund, you are doing a transaction in Bangalore and I am doing a, a transaction in uh, Mumbai. And, uh, you know, the, the contours of the transaction could be very, very different. The timing of the fund launch and the fundraise could be very similar. Uh, and we would be categorized under the RE or the real estate category. So I think these are uh, some of the uh, live considerations which need to be uh, borne in mind, which is why... Um, Alternate investment funds are actually meant for the slightly more evolved uh, customer and which is why the threshold is higher. In fact, I'd be very happy to see the threshold, you know, further going up uh, than coming down. Coming down to sawal nahi hai. But I'm saying that, you know, there is, there is a lot of merit in seeing uh, uh, the threshold being increased or, you know, try to uh, make your uh, disclosures in such a manner that the investor knows what he or she is getting into. Absolutely. Uh, just switching gears, Lakshmi, here a bit, I mean, just taking a more of a macro perspective over here, Morgan Stanley recently upgraded India to overweight, right? Uh, whatever context and that, I think, means, I think people, again, tend to focus a lot on what global financial institutions and how are they viewing the country, right? In your conversations with a lot of the institutional investors, both domestic but also global, how has the sentiment shift really occurred in India? Is it more of an allocation shift from China because they are not finding enough of an investable opportunities for their emerging markets allocation? Or do you see a genuine on-the-ground uh, shift where global investors want an allocation to the country? So, you know, Varun, uh, when I do my roadshows, whether it's in India or outside India, I usually have a, a pitch book, uh, you know, about the India macro story and all of that, which could be maybe 25 to 30 slides. Uh, but on a lighter vein, uh, you know, I actually ask them, you know, I have just one slide, uh, which says that um, uh, the stock that you should be long is the stock called India. And after that, uh, you know, there is there, there should really be no conversation. And of course, if you want to, deep dive further uh, the sheer size um, 
of the economy uh, has not and of course its demographics has not really prevented it from growing and uh, you know recouping faster and stronger after the pandemic phase which grappled the whole of the world so uh, when china is in a deflation mode um, us is still figuring out whether they are in recession or uh, they are yeah. in an expansionary mode um, uh, eurozone is is trying to sometimes uh, uh, ape china and at other times the us and uh, Japan is partying because uh, their stock market is doing better than the China stock market. Um, you clearly seem to be like an oasis in the desert. And uh, of course, there could be sandstorms, no doubt about it. But the point is, how do you weather these sandstorms um, and move ahead? and uh, allocate capitals to India basis the pure merit of the underlying. Uh, you know, if you look at the Indian uh, banking sector, NPA, we are at an eight-year low. If you look at the corporate uh, profitability of India, Inc., uh, you know, it is uh, uh, marching, uh, it, it's, it's following the Olympic, uh, you know, motto of faster, higher, stronger. You know, so I think some of these things uh, cannot be wished away with. So I think in, in terms of, I, I was in Japan um, uh, last month and I was just joking you know with some of my colleagues that India jitna bolo jukavad utni hoti hai like literally it's like a, it's like a 90 degree bend uh, I mean that's that's a lighter wind but that's the kind of excitement and that's the kind of um, visible um, uh, I would say stamina I am seeing in my conversations with investors um, and I think as I said this is geography, uh, geography agnostic um, we are seeing uh, people also wait on the sidelines citing that you know India is an expensive market but um, the point is that are we going to continue to command the premium the answer is yes so in the long-term journey but if you ask me will there be speed breakers well the answer is yes will there be bump downs the answer is obviously yes but will that uh, derail the India story or derail the India wealth generating potential the answer is no it could probably delay it but uh, derailing is clearly not on the cards uh, we have obviously a major uh, event coming up, which is the elections in 2024, right? And obviously in right mind, it is very difficult at this point in time to exactly uh, sort of like foresee uh, what uh, what really effect the outcome of the election would have. But just sort of if you were to uh, rewind the clock back from 2024 to 2023 to where we are, in, in in your understanding, how big of these events actually play into the narrative of where the stock market is actually headed? When we go and speak to investors, obviously, they want a very cohesive strategy, cohesive story of, you know, elections are, this sector is going to do well, that sector is going to do well. But again, I think remaining diversified is something that obviously works well for most investors. How do you deal with that? So as I said, you know, uh, events will come, events will go, some events will have long-lasting uh, impact, some could be more psychological impact. Uh, but as I said, uh, uh, you know, and, I, and again, I say this, uh, you know, quite often uh, when I meet my, um, uh, you know, fund management team, um, you know, what happens, uh, you know, what, what, what was happening through the pandemic, there was a visible consumption slowdown. But did you stop drinking your tea, for example? Did you stop having your biscuit with your tea if you were already having it? Did you stop using um, shampoo for your hair when you uh, you know had a hair wash okay I'm not talking about rural India right now but yes I'm just talking about um, some of the conversations I was having with my colleagues um, and well the answer to each of that was you know a very very glaring no 
So I think some of these uh, will continue to remain as the mainstay. Uh, so if corporate India is, all, uh, you know, obviously um, um, a function of what kind of earnings potential it is going to tend to generate and markets ultimately are going to be slaves of earnings. Uh, well, a political outcome, again, uh, you know, to my previous, uh, you know, point that we discussed, uh, can delay or can offer some delayed gratification if the outcome may not be as per what you expected or as per what the markets expected. Markets have this uncanny ability to discount events way ahead of its happening. So if the markets are... Um, discounting a particular outcome and it doesn't happen it's but natural that you are going to feel disappointed and that will reflect in the market momentum but as i said is it going to completely puncture that you need a stepney and you say that you know okay now i'm not going to use it the answer is no uh, the, the 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 sheer underlying uh, nature of the business very very incipient signs of uh, capex um, coming underway all that point towards the fact that all of these are going to be more temporary uh, uh, speed breakers uh, but it's not likely to puncture the momentum and the trajectory uh, of the india growth story Absolutely, Lakshmi. And finally, just coming to our last question, I think someone and as as a professional, you spend a lot of time with a lot of people. I think probably some of the most influential people in the finance industry. But what does Lakshmi Ayer as a personal investor? How do how do you view your own money management uh, thing? You could be sort of like you know extremely complex, or how do you manage your own money? No, in fact, Barun, I'm a very, very boring investor. I'm a very simple investor. I'm not a broker's delight, for example. So I, I don't do uh, momentum trading. In fact, uh, my investments uh, kind of follow the principle of fill it, shut it and forget it. Um, the broader uh, mapping, uh, you know, which needs to be done uh, is that of asset allocation because more than 90% of your or I would say more than 95% of your returns uh, is attributed to the right asset allocation that you do. And that obviously is a function of the risk appetite that you have. So I think that is where considerable time and energy is, uh, you know, is, is where I expend to try to create that. And once having done that, uh, it's more of course correction and small reviews um, as as you uh, uh, go along, the uh, hedge Kotak Bank milta hai as ESOP. So that's the only thing uh, you know that I uh, hold in my uh, uh, stock holdings. But every other uh, you know uh, portfolio allocation is through diversified uh, underlying funds, uh, and I think. Um, uh, for, and again, it's not that, uh, you know, because um, uh, we don't understand or I don't understand any of this. It's just that um, a professional life demands, uh, you know, its own uh, time. And obviously you are uh, doing that. And which is true for any other investor today uh, who ha obviously has an active professional life. Um, so you are better off um, you know, curating a portfolio basis, your risk appetite, and just, uh, you know, do course corrections uh, as and when needed. Uh, and that is why I said, uh, you know, I am a very, very uh, boring investor, uh, not a broker's delight, and I like to keep it simple. Uh, complicating stuff uh, will only mean, uh, you know, trying to aggravate um, uh, anxieties and pain points and apprehensions in the not so good times. So, um, Lagero, uh, and I think if you believe that uh, if the future is bright, see, I am an eternal optimist. You know, by birth, I'm B positive, uh, which is a very common blood group, but it's not a very common attitude. So, you know, once you actually cultivate that attitude, uh, then I think uh, being long term, lethargic, uh, boring investors, you know, uh, I, I always believe that. Um, 
let your portfolio sleep uh, like what kumbhakaran used to do and obviously you require that nagara dole you know to actually wake up your portfolio only if you believe there has been a substantive or if you believe that there's a war kind of a situation otherwise just let it sleep and do its work yeah i hope the audience today you know uh, take away some of the key points which lakshmi just mentioned and i think it sort of like pays in the long term to be boring right i think unnecessarily adding complexity to your portfolio by uh, trying to keep yourself active and trying to make sense of the situation which you probably not be would be better off than let's say the average guy right next to you uh, but lakshmi thank you so much for doing this i think it was a delight to have you on our show today we obviously always uh, uh, want experts to come and speak to our audience speak to our investors so that they can hear from the horse's mouth exactly what goes on behind their portfolios and how their uh, money is actually being managed by professional fund managers so thank you so much for doing this and for all our audience please do subscribe to us if you did uh, uh, like this uh, conversation perfect great thank you so much varun bye see oh, you yeah.